Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. We have been off for a month trying to nail our most recent guest down. Before we get to them, I'm joined by James, as I always am. James, how's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be back. And normally we take a break because of something, but I think we just kind of like, I had a bit of three on three going, three X three, sorry. Um, and also we just didn't get round to it. So if anyone was waiting for this one, find better things to do. And two, sorry. Yeah, there's been yeah. nothing to talk about for like last month. So that's the thing as well. Like we were scraping the barrel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So I know there's only one thing you love more than when we have a guest show up. And that's when we have a guest show up and I use it as an excuse to put you on the spot. So that is just what we're going to do. So in front of me, I have a list of all of the highest achieving moments in the history of the Canadian people. And you are going to tell me whether the summer that our current guest is having is better or worse than each of these things individually. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm in. So starting from the bottom of the list, the NBA playoff run recently completed by Andrew Wiggins. Is our guest's current summer better or worse than that? Better. Okay. I'm just going to say better for all of these. Okay, well, that kind so of... So, Mark, would you hate it if I was like, better, by the way, our guest is Kitty Dan tonight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. That was actually one of the other questions, so you've spoiled that. Okay, next up from Andrew Wiggins, the time somebody pointed out somebody else, you can probably put maple syrup on that. Better. Okay. <laughs> is the summer that our guest is having better than the Paralympic debut performance of this very same guest? Uh, I'll I'll let them tell you that. Okay. And you're, you're not here to ask me questions. Next up, is our guest's current summer better than the one Nickelback song that we both agree is good? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the narrow one. I think the Nickelback song is the winner. And <laughs> on that note, do you want to intro our guest? Uh, I think I already have. Kitty Nanda, thanks for coming. How was that? Oh my gosh, thanks for having me, guys. Are you a big Nickelback fan? Because if so, this might be very awkward. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm like a big Nickelback fan, but like there are a bunch of songs I'm like, you know, I, I like that song. Like, I don't know why they get as much hate as they do, but I wouldn't say I'm like a huge Nickelback fan or anything. Okay, we'll go through, we'll go through the good Nickelback songs post-podcast, but there is one good Nickelback song, and it's just to get high, which is off Dark Horse album. What's it called? Which song? Just to get high. Okay. It's like a random weird album cut. Me and Mark were shuffling music and we were like, <laughs> these guys get a lot of abuse. And I think it's because people, like young people specifically, think disliking something is a personality trait. And it super isn't. <laughs> but yeah, that's a very boring thing to have as a personality trait. But I think that's why they get abused. But anyway. They've gotten hate since like... Like the day they became famous. It was, it's like... it's. It's like a very meta hipster thing, right? Because it's like the thing that everyone hated before hating stuff was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Kitty, thank you so much for being here. Um, <laughs> we are going to actually start the podcast with the same question. We're, we're, out, of, we're out of practice, can you tell? Um, we're going to start with the same question we ask every guest. How did you get involved in wheelchair basketball? Um. Yeah, so... I mean, it's kind of funny, actually. It was um, a little bit of, like, luck. I just happened to be from the same small island that um, our former national team coach, Tim Frick, lives on. 
Can I interrupt you to say Canada is not a small island? I should clarify, it's a tiny island on the west coast of Canada. So, yeah, it's not on the mainland. Um, It's called Pender Island. It's off of Vancouver Island, which is like our big island. But anyway, very small, about 2,500 people population. Um, And he just happens to live there, too. And that's where I grew up. So, yeah, Tim knew me before I was um, before I got injured um, playing stand up. Um, So when I played at university and basically after I got injured, he kind of was like, oh, you should kind of try wheelchair basketball. And like for a while, you know, I was like, no, I'll be fine. Like I'm going to keep playing stand up. Um, And then just, you know, a couple years later, like as I was like really struggling to stay healthy, um, like keep my knee healthy. He was just like, he just signed me up for a camp one day. He was like, what are you doing on Saturday? And I was just like, um, nothing, no plans. He was like, cool. I signed you up for a wheelchair basketball camp. <laughs> You're going. <laughs> and so he just like dragged me, like took me to it. I didn't have a choice. Um, went to the camp, had a good time. And then he was like, you know, what are you doing two weeks from now? I was like, I don't know. And so he was like, cool. I'm signing you up for another one. And I just kind of like went with him to all these things he signed me up for for, and then it just like snowballed from there like one of the events I ended up meeting the current national team coach and then he kind of talked to me as like you know like what would you think about like joining the national team pool and potentially getting to become a national team player and I was like whoa like what like already (laughs) well I was just like honestly I didn't even know that I could play like I was so ignorant to it because I was like well I'm not in a wheelchair like how can I play wheelchair basketball so I had no idea about the classification systems and nothing I didn't even know um you know that an athlete like myself could play and like be classifiable so yeah it was a really big learning experience but I was like you know from then when I was like wow so I can actually like play and be competitive like play at a high level again that's when I was like okay this could be you know this could be something like this could be my second chance um yeah I was pretty devastated when I uh wasn't able to keep playing stand-up you know it was something I loved so much and then it was just like taken away in like seconds and so like finding wheelchair basketball was just this like oh my god I could be a high level athlete again and like you know compete on the world's edge i was so from there i was just like let's go like i'm yeah. in yeah. yeah and just for for the listeners could you clarify what level did you play standing basketball at and if you don't mind talking about it what happened you blew your knee out right yeah i did um so yeah i played at uh, university um and yeah i was 19 when it happened so i was pretty young um and it was just basically it was like in a game um, I was, uh, on a two on one with one of my teammates and the defender, um, I went around her and was going up for the layup and she, uh, she just kind of like stepped into me to try and like, you know, block like undercut me. Yeah. She just kind of like pushed me. And so I was like in the air kind of falling and then I was like trying to catch myself. Right. So I just planted and then, you know, my foot stayed in one spot and my body turned um but it it actually kind of happened in two parts so that like that happened obviously something went wrong I felt it right away but they think what happened was that was only a partial tear because I ended up rehabbing it like um and 
playing again in like three weeks. Right. Because they did the like ACL test on me and it was like, um, it was still, it showed that it was holding. Like, so they're like, Oh, I don't, it's not ACL. Like you didn't do it. And I was like, Oh, that's fantastic news. Right. Cause I was like, that would be worst case scenario. But then, yeah. So I rehabbed it. They didn't really know what it was, but they're like, you know, it's maybe you just like pinched your meniscus or whatever, you know, so rehabbed it for about the three weeks and then came back and started playing. And I was like, okay, it was still shaky, but I was like, I'm, I'll get it. Like, I'll get it back. Um, and then it was like about a, like I played our two final games and then we had about, I think it was like a week and a half before we were going to, uh, our like playoff tournament to go to nationals. And then I, uh, just, it was just in practice. I was cutting through the key and, no one around me, like I didn't get bumped or anything. And I was just looking for a pass coming over my shoulder and it just, poof, like, God. <laughs> um, yeah. So it ended up being, sorry, it ended up being ACL, MCL, um, a torn meniscus and I fractured my femur. Wow. Oh. wow. The full collection. You, yeah. You, you might have legitimately out of all the stories we've had on here of the like how I became disabled you might have the worst one and <laughs> you've come away from it as like a, a minimal disability as they would they would label you that sounds horrific and what was your rehab period off of that the second um yeah no that hurts so much oh my god that was like I remember like after it happened like I was screaming I was on the ground and then I just kind of like I like almost passed out. I remember just thinking, I was like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go to sleep right now. Like as I was laying on the court and I like almost did. And then I just like, I was like, no, like you got to stay awake. Like, and so I just kind of like brought myself out of it, but yeah, that hurt. Um, But the rehab after that was like, I had to sit out the following year. Um, So that happened in my third year when I was 19 Um, and I had to sit out the following year, um, technically like I got surgery in June and then they say rehab is like six to eight months, but I was like, nah, like, I think even just to like, get yourself mentally ready to go, like to me a year, like go the year, then you're sure, you know, you know, and you can get all, like the different kinds of like rehabbing. Cause like I had done all the physio type stuff, but once you get back on court, like that's a whole different ball game. And so, yeah, for me, it was just like, they were like saying that I could probably get back around Christmas time that I could be fully cleared. And I was just like, so I had to think about it. Cause I was like, I just don't feel ready. Like, I just, I don't know. Like I was like, I, and the last thing I want to do is tear this thing again, because that would just, you know, be the worst. And it's like a rigorous, um, rehab process, you know, it's not fun. And so, yeah. And it's painful. And so like, I was like, I do not want to have to do this again. So I made the decision. I talked to my coach and like our athletic director and was like, I'm thinking about just sitting this year out and then just coming back for the next one. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, yeah. Uh, well, James is our uh, resident expert on extended and repeated rehab periods, but I, I think you may you may have just put him to shame on this one. Yeah, I've never had to do any 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 big long years out, but yeah. Um, 
So just moving on slightly, if you, I know you mentioned sort of finding wheelchair basketball and it being something that kind of gave you a second chance, but was there sort of a reluctance before you saw the game? Because I, I know a lot of people who get involved in wheelchair basketball from being able-bodied and having an injury um, or an amputation or whatever. I, I hear the story a lot that's like, ah, wheelchair basketball, nah. I'm not in a wheelchair. I don't need that. Did you have a bit of that until you saw the game or what was the moment that you realized that this was kind of a legit sport within itself? I mean, I guess technically I would have because um, like, I don't like Tim was trying to get me to like try it before um, I kind of came to the like sad conclusion that I probably was never going to be able to be healthy enough to play stand up again. And so he had kept getting me like, he kept being like, well, you should try it. You should try it. And I was like, no, no, but I don't know if it was so much of a reluctance because of like, you know, wheelchair basketball itself, or if it was just a reluctance to give up, you know, the sport I'd been playing and working my entire life at and like, you yeah, know, letting go of the past rather than. exactly. So I think that was more, the situation that I just was so focused on not letting that go that I wasn't really opening myself up to anything else. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So I think it was kind of more like that for me, but I think um, my first um, I got invited to women's national side. Like when I first started playing um, in Canada. Sorry. When was this? It would have been, I think, midway through 2015, like oh, okay. 2016, kind of tail end, because that's kind of like when I started. But yeah, like I literally like had been to like maybe two camps and then <laughs> like, oh, like, do you want to join our team for like nationals? And I'm like, nationals, like me, <laughs> like I am garbage. <laughs> like, are you serious? Um, and so then from there, they're like, yeah, yeah, like um we'd love to have you and so I was like okay and so then me and Tim would would train like every day until then so I was like I don't want to be this absolute like dumpster fire out there on court (laughs) like if there's one thing I hate it's being bad at something and I was really bad so um yeah I guess when I went to women's nationals that's where I was like introduced to a lot of our um like at the time the current like national team players and so I kind of got to see what it looked like um from them to be like you know a competitive like wheelchair basketball player and I was like okay like you know and like they come in and they were like super athletic and like jacked and like really good and I was like okay yeah like sign me up for this all right yeah I was like this this is what I'm here for you know so yeah, that was really cool. And I think from there, and that was when I also met um, uh, Bill Johnson, who was the former um, women's national team coach at the time. And so that's where I met him. And then he talked to me about the national team opportunities. Um, and I was like, sold. <laughs> like, here we go. Yeah. yeah sure. Can I ask, because we, I think as James mentioned, we see a fair number of, you know, former able-bodied players or people who've had injuries or amputations or whatever it might be. And the most common thing that I think we see is people who've only ever played the wheelchair game is you get a, you know, a 4.5 or 5 point, a super athletic guy or girl. 
you know, kind of ball skills, shooting skills, complete and utter lack of maneuverability of wheelchair or chair control in the early days, at least. So you coming in from the flip side of our experience, was that your experience? Did you kind of feel comfortable shooting the ball and like the chair was, you know, you being asked to control a a separate body part that you had no intuition over? Or do you did you find there was a decent amount of transferable skill from the able-bodied game to the wheelchair straight off? I mean, I guess technically, like the transferable stuff was like, um, you know, uh, just like court awareness, um, like the way I saw a basketball game, like that was super helpful, um, and being able to shoot and stuff. But yeah, as far as the chair goes, <laughs> nothing intuitive about that that was all like (laughs) I had to learn like it 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 was the bane of my existence for a long time (laughs) like I used to get back picked all the time and it was just like you could see the steam coming out of my ears I was so (laughs) irritated with it yeah I haven't thought about that but but back picking is like something that doesn't exist in the able-bodied game at all right so so you're like, not, not only is this a tactic I've never heard of, you're using it to victimize me. Yeah, like, and it happened to me too. Like when I found out about it, it was the like second time I'd played wheelchair basketball before. It was actually, it was really funny. It was one of the girls, um, she was former national team player. So, you know, she knows what she's doing. And she just like all of a sudden like cut in front of me and I'm trying to get back on defense. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like You should be going that like, way. <laughs> yeah she just, like stops in front of me and I'm like what are you doing like get out of here let me let me, <laughs> yeah. let me go and then every move I made she would just like go in front of me and I was so confused I was like what is happening I was like why is this girl here what what are you doing <laughs> I, she thinks she's playing defense right now <laughs> I just love the idea of like this happens like ball goes dead and one of your low pointers comes up to you and it's just like oh yeah by the way get ready for that <laughs> yeah. hey sorry I didn't warn you this is gonna happen for like three years <laughs> <laughs> I know I really wish someone would have told me about it our coach like yelled from the sideline he was like come on it's our first day and I was like I was so confused I'm like I don't know what's going on right now like like, what is happening? I was like, I thought I knew basketball. What is happening? But did yeah, you find- and yes, did- a little foreshadowing. That was my life for the next <laughs> yeah. while. Did you, did you find the advantages on the other side, though? Like, the example I would always use is my one of my coaches in the early days was a former standing basketball point guard, six foot one, blew his knee out, and then just was a four or five. And was just like, could shoot pass, dribble, and could shoot mismatches. And I remember him being like, yeah, my defenders can't jump anymore. This is great. I'm always open. Like, was that a thing? Did you did you have a moment of like, oh, these people can't contest me any more than they currently can? Because I always wonder if that, like, if that's the big switch from able-bodied basketball to the wheelchair game, just being like, oh, I'm open, open, like, on a mismatch. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was like really cool. Like when you take that kind of like vertical element out of it, it worked for me because like it was so funny, like being in stand up, like I'm not a big player. Like I'm not, I'm not even really average. I'm like on the smaller side. Lower basketball. Yeah. yeah I am like considered a big. And I was like, what? Like this is awesome. <laughs> with guard skills. You have to grow up with like 
guard or wing skills in the running game. And then oh, yeah, exactly. Center. That's quite cool. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, when I played stand-up, I think I was fairly versatile, kind of like I could play like a one through four. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, so that coming over to like wheelchair ball and then just having that kind of like, you know, height difference there, I was like, and no one being able to jump or like block. I've, ne- like, I've never thought about it in this way, but they they talk about like in the able-bodied game, they're always like, oh, the best players are, you know, the guy, the people who were guards growing up and then had like a late growth spurt and, you know, they got the size of the big guys, but you've had effectively the growing up as a guard. And then instead of you having a late growth spurt, everybody you play against has gotten shorter. <laughs> it's like, hey, this, this... And like nailed to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess kind of. So I was like, all right, this works out. This is nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right, should we move on? We will. Oh, you, what have you, got for us? you mentioned so this was kind of 2015 was your your early days getting involved. That's right off the back of Canada winning the World Championships in 2014 in Toronto. So they presented a bunch of the girls who were at Women's Nationals with their like awards for that achievement so I didn't know about it then but I've actually gone back and watched a bunch of the games on YouTube so what happened when as you're kind of coming up and it's obviously maybe the high point in Canadian women's basketball was there a whole lot of carryover in terms of you know there's a lot of veteran players who were they sticking around to help guide the national team at that point or was this was it very much a hey we've we've hit the peak and, you know, Janet McLaughlin or Katie Harnock or whoever it may be retiring and letting the the young guns take over. How did it kind of impact the generation that you've gone on to be a part of? Um, I think, well, for me, it was cool because I kind of came in on the tail end of um, like that group of athletes. Um, and so I got a little bit of time uh, with them. Um, Janet in particular, um, she was really great to me um you know she kind of uh helped me out and would reach out to me and like ask me what I was doing for training and like giving me suggestions and um telling me like the things that she did when she was uh back where I was um and she was super welcoming to um most of them were and it was just it was really cool for me um you know to have someone in her position you know kind of like welcome me in and um really kind of give me a good um way to gauge my progress and like you know to make gains and um you know to get there essentially so um yeah I'm really grateful to her for that and uh I guess like once those guys kind of left it was like it gave way to the younger ones on that same team then to kind of step up and then they were kind of the ones that were um you know there was a lot of us newbies coming in uh that year so they were kind of the ones that then had to you know lead and um kind of set examples and stuff and yeah it was really cool though it was kind of like all of us were you know out there trying to like prove ourselves I guess and you know working hard to make it you know known that like we belong here so yeah it was good kind of a interesting experience nice who who sticks out as a leader in that second group that you spoke about like when those 
older players left and you were part of that first new group post world championship who sticks out as yeah who sticks out as a leader um i guess kind of like all of them did i mean you know you had uh juice aaron young um rosalie lalon um cindy Ulette, uh tam tamara steves melanie haunton um so you have all those guys um i think they all kind of you know stepped up and were i mean for me personally really helpful like when i was um you know still figuring things out and like really just confused by everything <laughs> um <laughs> You know, they were all really great to me and kind of like helping me. Uh, you know, I remember um, asking Juice, she's really good at this like dirty baseline fake. I love it. And so I remember, <laughs> she, I remember she hit me with it once and I was like, oh, I was like, never again. Well, the light side in. Oh. oh, yeah. Like, you know, oh, the move. Yeah. Just, like, back and then just like hits you with it. And I remember she did it to me and I was just like, what when you say never again has she got you with it since then or have you have you followed up on your that was one and done you learned (laughs) real quick on that one i was like absolutely not you just roasted me so hard and i refuse to have that happen again so she has not gotten on me yet but i'm gonna knock on wood because all you gotta do be doing is caught sleeping like for yeah. a half a second and she'll get yeah but. that's the thing it's like here's my foot plate okay there you go <laughs> Done. yeah we'll exactly. find, we don't know if she listens to the podcast but we'll, we'll soon find out if she comes back to the next time you guys play each other and she's trying to hit yeah. you with that fake the whole time <laughs> i know every time we're in that position too i'm like don't even think about it like <laughs> yeah you're like you can yeah you're like you can beat me top door yeah. anytime you want like do whatever you want like pull it i don't care you're not getting basically yeah honestly it was like flashbacks of that moment in my head i'm like oh is this like a paranoia thing now though you like don't even think about it and she's like dude it happened once six years ago it's probably fine (laughs) oh yeah no it's honestly though like when she hits people with it and i know it's coming like because i'm so like i'm like she's gonna do it and she does and it's just it's so good like because when it happens, it's just, there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, people yeah, you're dead. Watch. Yeah. Like, and yeah. people just get to watch you getting like owned and you're like, cool. You I have to file someone like they're, they're like halfway around your foot plate. You got to just push. Like you got to just take one at that point yeah. and let them have a layup. Cause it's always a layup. Is the it, other oh, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like wide open too. And you're just behind. Yeah. Like no, we, we have a, people generally in in and around the uk like gb setup that move is kind of tied to there's a couple of guys that do it but there's a guy who played for gb up to london 2012 uh a 1-5 by the name of matt burton who used to do that move and he used to do it in slow motion and it would still get everyone and i tried to get him with it in a game once and he was like that's my move you're not gonna get me with it nice try yeah he just put he was like mid game he was like come on man and then he got me with it like a quarter later i was like oh no <laughs> you're like ah. damn it. God damn it. Oh but it's so good because you're dead like there's no recovering the day no. you get aaron young with that you can call it even <laughs> right i know i'm like i don't know though like i was trying to like she hit me with it and i was like unbelievable also teach me how you do that because there aren't that many moves in the wheelchair game like there's not that many ways to like break someone down on yeah. one-on-one yeah. 
you have to be real good or they have to be really bad like <laughs> yeah just like totally show you their foot plate or something yeah. we'll shift on a little bit katie we're gonna talk your debut with the national team in terms of a major competition was hamburg 2018 um watch a little bit of footage from that i think it's fair to say your <laughs> kind of chair skills and whatever are obviously much above what you described in your very early days but i think you're still figuring the international game out at that point which is funny because prepping for this i was looking back at some stuff around tokyo 2020 and I found, as we were messaging you, I found an Instagram post where we tagged you because your Paralympic debut game, your stat line was 32 points, 20 rebounds, 11 assists. <laughs> now, that was against GB, so the stats don't really count. You have to like give them uh, times by 0.7 or whatever for quality of competition. But um, Hey, that's, uh, come on, man. Yeah, sorry. We're, we're, uh, not here, we're not here to bring people down. Stop so, it. That was maybe the most impressive Paralympic debut we've ever seen, men's or women's side. And it's so impressive that you actually can't watch that game on YouTube in the UK. That's a fun little Easter egg for you. I don't know if that's been like taken down by request of British wheelchair basketball or anything like that. Someone's on the dark web pulling yeah. <laughs> it from the internet. So in um in that kind of gap between your international debut. And, you know, figuring the game out or whatever, however you would label it, through to that, I've arrived on the Paralympic stage. What was the process for you in terms of getting up to speed there? Because that, by and large, happened through, you know, a chunk of COVID and whatever else and the world being turned upside down. By the looks of it, you just locked yourself away and worked on your chair skills and, and all that stuff. But what have the stepping stones been for you since your kind of international first appearance up to that point? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it all kind of goes back to that day that I learned about backpicking because I hated that so much. And I was like, it kept happening. And then like getting around on court, I was like, I am so frustrated right now, like knowing what I want to do, but not being able to do it. And so to me, I was like, I refuse to let this happen to me. And I was just like, from then on, I did chair skills like three times a day. I would just do chair skills workouts. Like I had, um, I went to the Academy, um, like our Canadian, it was called the Academy. Um, it's like our Canadian training program, sure. like national training center. And it was like a full time, like group of athletes and our coach, uh, Mike Frogley, um, at the time I asked him, I was like, frog, I was like, I need to do some extra chair skills. Like I can't do this. I was like, I'll lose my mind if this is the way it goes. And so I used to do chair skills. Like I probably spent, we would practice at 7am in the morning and I would wouldn't come home until about like 5 p.m. just because right. I was doing like chair skills I was working on my shooting like for those like couple years I spent at the academy like I did nothing but train <laughs> like yeah. yeah no wonder it's been so difficult to nail you down for this podcast if that that's the kind of hours you're putting in every day yeah I'm a big fan of like 
I mean, for better or worse, because there are definitely times when it's worse. It's not a good philosophy, but I'm very much a like as much as you can type of person, like training wise, like if you can do more, do more, which, you know, any elite level athlete will tell you that's not always the, you know, the best route. And it has gotten me into trouble on occasion, you know, with like injuries and, you know, just getting like being gassed and, you know, just getting exhausted and a little bit of burnout and that kind of stuff. But um, for the most part though, I'm very partial to it because it has helped me get to where I am. So yeah, it was just like hours and hours of chair skills to nail it down. Cause I remember people telling me when I first came in, they're like, yeah, it takes you about five years to learn just like the basics of the chair. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I've got two. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, uh, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So, and then COVID came along and you were like, oh, cool. Extra year. Got it. No problem. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, you know, obviously it was disappointing and it was like, fuck like this. Sorry. (laughs) Um, this, you know, thing that we've been preparing for all these years and now it's like being pushed back. But at the same time, I was like, well, you know what? Like, that's another year, I guess, that we can train yeah. and practice. Although, to be honest, I don't think it really worked out well for us. I think we were in a good rhythm as a team like that summer and it would have been perfect. And then with COVID and us not being able to have like any time together that year, it didn't really work for us. But wow, yeah. that was literally the next question we had written down and you've answered it, which is great considering that we completely blasted a load of time up the wall talking about <laughs> dribble moves and, and nickelback <laughs> so i appreciate you making our job easier yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's um it's an interesting one because my opinion from having gone back and watched a few of those games was you i think you can tell from watching you guys in tokyo that you are better than the fifth place result you ended up with um I, it obviously can't be fully restacked because I think there's various teams who could argue they would put in a better showing in a, a normal year. I don't think that's unfair of anyone to claim that. But in terms of your kind of you saying this is an extra year and you as a player coming from, you know, being relatively new and still having a lot to learn in terms of the chair and stuff you stood to benefit from that year more than maybe people who'd been around longer because you were on a, a steeper upward trajectory, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of arrived there and you had your, you know, your debut and that stat line I rattled off earlier, was that kind of a, a feeling of vindication of, you know, this has just been one game so far kind of thing, but did it feel like it, it was earned? It was worth it from the hours you'd put in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was cool. Um, I didn't, I honestly wouldn't have guessed that. Like when someone told me I had like 20 rebounds, I was like, wow, really? Like, um, I don't know. Cause the game was just like, you know, we didn't get off to a great start and it was just kind of like the whole time I remember just being like, it's okay. Like we got time, like we're good. And so I guess it was more about just winning that game at first. And then it was kind of like afterwards, you know, when I got to kind of like think about it maybe like, you know, like mini celebrate the game. I was like, Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Like 
you know, um, and it was kind of like, all right, cool. Like we're on our way, you know, we can hang here we are like, and then, yeah, for me individually, I mean, obviously that's a pretty uh, cool thing to like have under your belt, but I don't know. I didn't really think too much of it. Cause I was like, I really want like our team to kind of mesh. Um, and we kind of just were struggling a little bit. So sure. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It was, it was, that's a great, was a great debut for me. And I was like, all right, like, okay. Well, downhill from here. <laughs> I guess the thing is you come off the floor there and you're like, all right, cool. We have this team tomorrow at 1230 or whatever. Like that's the thing with turning basketball. You're like, all right, cool. Pat on the back. Next one. Like you kind of get shot out of a cannon from one game into another. Like the second you finish the game, you're eating to recover from the first game and to like, prepare for the next game and then you gotta like what film and stretch and physio and blah 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 i guess you don't yeah. really have that much time but it's nice that you make time to celebrate that stuff because i think it's important to not just yeah. like not just rush through your career like yeah i mean the unfortunately it's like i probably would like celebrate that debut a little bit more had the tournament ended differently for us yes. right? at the same time i'm like okay so that was one game though like to me, it's like, it's about consistency, right? So it's like, well, that was one game. Anyone can have a game, but you know, if you're truly like a player that's here to stay, you know, you've got consistency. And so, yeah, you know, I'm kind by of winning like, games. Yeah. You can't come exactly, back by winning like- and like by being, you know, a great have, like team and like, you know, bringing your team up and like helping that way. And it was definitely not, like my best tournament for that kind of thing I mean like it was just it was a bit up and down for all of us I think so it was kind of like it's hard to be like oh yeah that was a great game for me because I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah you <laughs> can't like yeah you can't lose a quarterfinal and be like yeah remember six days ago when I had 30 like- <laughs> yeah, exactly remember that game that like even if we had lost it like it wouldn't have like sunk our ship yeah remember how well I did that? <laughs> yeah sorry sorry about this one guys I don't I don't remember your quarterfinal I apologize I, it's this I watched a lot of basketball <laughs> I try to forget it too sure <laughs> right before we drag up any memories then we'll um <laughs> move on a little bit because we introduced saying what a successful summer you've had so far. And part one of that is winning goal at the America's cup. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on your all-star five selection. Thank you. This America's cup tournament is arguably the best Canada have looked since the team that won the 2014 worlds. I think that's a fair assessment. So what was, you mentioned, you know, the COVID year dragging on a little bit, kind of derailed you guys. Did you feel like getting back into your prep for the America's Cup, you kind of got your rhythm back as a group and were you no longer fighting through the kind of the slog that became the extra year and all that stuff? Did you enter on a more positive note, I guess? Um, Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, I mean, the issue with the COVID years is we really didn't get any time together. Like, by the time we were allowed to start playing five on five, it was like, I think we were like five months out of Tokyo. And it was like, wow, okay. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of just like, I mean, it is what it is. It's not like everyone else didn't go through a lot of the same, same thing. So, 
But yeah, for this year, I mean, I think we're, we're still working through some things um, in terms of finding that kind of like team, like chemistry, that, that like flow state for our team. Um, We're still trying to figure it out, um, you know, but I just know like once we get those pieces in place, like we can just be such an unstoppable team. Like the, the talent that we have is crazy. And it's just like, it's really just us that hold ourselves back. Like when we can't find that, um, you know, just like zone. Yeah. Um, it's really, it really is like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We play a lot against a ton of like great teams and great athletes and stuff, but it's really us. Like we're the ones and it's like, you can see it too. That's kind of like the frustrating part is like, you can see these just like moments of brilliance. And we're just like, how do we get that all the time? You know? Um, And so I think we're really, really trying to work on that. Everyone on the team is, you know, putting in so much effort to try and like find that and like find how we do that. And like where everyone kind of fits, like where their role is on the team, just so we can get that. I mean, like, obviously that's kind of what every team's trying to do, but you know, I think right now, like all of us are like, we don't want, like we underperformed at Tokyo so hard. And that was just like gutting, like that sucked so bad. And so all of us are like, no way are we letting that happen again? Like, so yeah, I think we're all working really hard to try and find that, like that, you know, sweet spot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we've kind of got a section of our questions here about America's Cup and Worlds. I think they're all going to roll into into one because the two are so close together. But I think that's that's almost kind of an interesting way that it's fallen for you guys because were this a normal year, you know, there's a, been times in the past where, for example, your America's Cup would have been June 2021 and then Worlds could have been not until... September of 2022 that's like a 15 month break between major tournaments right so in in that sense do you think America's Cup came at the right time for you guys to be able to learn about what you need to improve on and be able to address that stuff in a realistic time period rather than being like hey here's this stuff we need to take on board and we need to be peaking in exactly a year and three months which is a a difficult (laughs) ask you know, that's like, it's actually like a great question. And I think that it definitely would help us like, um, you know, cause we kind of have these two times where we need to peak and they're very close to each other. Um, you know, when we look at our season, so it's kind of like, you don't really have to have that big break where you kind of like dive a little and then climb up again so you have this like a tiny one like after you know we haven't been together since uh brazil um but when we come together again like it's not like you said it's not like a year and three months later um and so i think for us it will be helpful and i actually love how it is this way um well, you, you, you even played the Commonwealth in between, right? So you just can't get enough <laughs> as far as everyone can tell. Yeah, That's like I, I'm such a big fan of this summer. Like <laughs> I remember looking at the schedule and being like, oh my God. And like at that point, I didn't know if I was going to be selected to go to Commonwealth or not. So, you know, I was just like, oh man, this is going to be so great. You know, we'll have a little bit of a break in the summer, which we never usually get because our major is usually at 
in August. So we had this like little bit of a break, which I was like, that's great too. But we have all this like great stuff, you know, like we were traveling, we went to like Colorado, the Netherlands, then we were off to Brazil, then we had the Commonwealth, you know, now we have this little break and then it's back into prep for um, Dubai. And so I don't know, to me, I love it. I was like, oh, I wish it was like this every summer. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is there something funny about like, touring around with your national team and like 12 of you plus staff and then Commonwealth's come al- coming along being like, all right, eight of you can piss off. <laughs> be like, hey, this bit is just for us. That's that's really strange to me. Be like, hey, I love this. We're going to spend so much time together, but especially us four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was weird, like not having um, the rest of the team, but it was also cool like when we were, you know, like all of us were in our same little like apartment hallway thing. And like, you know, we're all there together and it was easy to just do stuff like with the team because the team is only like four players. And then, yeah, you know, our coach. Yeah, it's, and not, our- it's not like, oh, we're, we're going to go and get dinner. Shall we find one restaurant that 12 people plus staff agree on? It's like, hey, four of us is so much easier than that. Exactly. I mean, like sometimes we'd be like, you know, if you're with your like big team and you got like, two of you are going to go for dinner and then you're like oh you know I'll throw in the group like if anyone wants to come and then you got like 10 other people being like, <laughs> with you but just can you wait like so-and-so's doing this or so-and-so's doing that and you're just like yeah like this person has to have a shower this person can't eat this food this person and you're like hey I no longer want to come yeah. like hey <laughs> you guys can all go for dinner <laughs> yeah exactly like okay but right so before we move on to commonwealths um one very big picture question about world championships talking about peaking if team canada peak at the right time do you believe you can win a gold medal at the world championships and if so what does team canada peaking look like um i don't think i would have ever gone into a tournament thinking that we couldn't win a gold medal uh Hey, we've, yeah. got, we've got our sound bite for the episode. That that's all we. Have. <laughs> we, we kind of a sound bite of you saying we've got a sound bite though, so you've completely screwed it. <laughs> um, yeah, right answer. Yeah, you know, but anyway, continue. No, we go like uh, I'm. Yeah, I mean that's just like so. I think as a competitor, like you're there to like win. You know, like that's what you train for, like to be the best. So it's like going into every competition. That's the goal. Um, I mean, for me personally anyway, but yeah, I think Canada has all the tools that we need to be able to win a gold medal. Um, it's really just going to come down to, to us as a team, like for us to, um, win, gold like we have to have that team chemistry you know we have to have everyone buy in everyone's got to be um you know ready to go like we have to uh i think one of the best like examples is like when we played in uh lima for the uh, 2019 parapanum games our gold medal match against the states like was great and every single person you know, was engaged, um, had a role, you know, whether someone was on the bench all game or on court, like, you know, everyone was there for that game. And that was such a big team win for us. Um, and I think that was kind of like the first time where we really saw everything click to just be like, wow, like we've got something here. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's really just about getting those pieces to kind of fall into place, I guess. I mean, I would love to be able to tell you exactly what that looks like, but that's a problem we're currently trying to figure out. So, you know, if you've got an answer, let me know. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone on your coaching staff would appreciate us telling you that. We'll wait till the recording's off and then you can let me know. <laughs> I was going to say there's definitely players from other women's national teams who would be like, oh, Canada think they have all the answers, do they? Cool. We'll tap into that. <laughs> Imagine if we said something like that, it ended up working, and then there were people being like, can we come on the podcast, please? Yeah, Turn it into some sort of consultancy. We think far too much of ourselves. We don't know that much. <laughs> we just like talking about basketball. We'll jump on because that as we spoke about America's cup is not your only um, gold medal that you've won this summer. You were at the Commonwealth games in Birmingham. You were able to land in the UK for the one week in between two month long heat waves. So apologies for the weather <laughs> that you experienced, but okay. you, guys ca- you guys came in. Um, you'd obviously basically just got off the plane from Brazil where you'd been playing five on five. You jumped into three on three on such a short turnaround. How was that? And how much three on three kind of prep or experience did you have? Or was it a case of just showing up and being like, I'm a basketball player. I'll figure this out. I guess it's probably a little bit of both. Um, so we had done a little bit of three on three, um, part of like the, selection process for our team was um we did a couple like two three on three tournaments during like two of our practices we just did three on three um and they would switch up the teams every game so we play like four games um and so we did that that was basically our only three on three experience um and we just had to try play by the like playing with the rules and stuff like the first time i we did it actually it was really funny we were in colorado we did it for one of our practices and they were like, okay, we're going to be doing the three on three this afternoon. And all of us were like, okay, like three on three, it's not gonna be super hard. They had it labeled as like a green practice for us. Like we have green, yellow, red practices, red being the hardest. They had it a green practice. Oh my God. We got out there with the 12 second shot clock, right? You know, you move so fast. <laughs> all of us were like, oh my God. And so by the end of that practice, I think they said our heart rates got up like higher than any practice we'd yeah. done. And so it was like, all of us were just like, what just happened? <laughs> but it was so much fun. Like we all had like just such a blast. Um, I know like personally, like I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, this is so much fun. Like I was just like, I hope to God I get to go to Commonwealth. Cause like it was such a great time, but yeah, like landing from Brazil, like in Toronto. And then we had like, I think it was like five days um before we had to catch our flights to Birmingham and yeah we'd actually never tried the ball so we played just with a regular like women's ball so we've never seen like um one of the guys Bo Hedges managed to get two of the balls like two days before we were leaving just so we could like you know try it and terrible right yeah it was just Oh man. So when we got there, there was the first time trying the court. Um, it was the first time with the ball, like, Oh man, our first day, like we had a friendly against Australia and like one of our, uh, DD Tessier, she, her flight had gotten like, um, messed up or whatever. So she didn't get in her and our coach didn't get in until 4am that morning. And so she just slept 
basically until we had to leave for practice, which was at like one o'clock or something. Yeah. And so she's just like out of it. And that <laughs> for practice, like, oh my God. And we had that friendly against Brazil and it was just, or not Brazil, sorry, Australia. And we were all just like, oh my God. <laughs> like Everything was just front rim, front rim, front rim. And then like all our passes were just short, short. And we we're just like... <laughs> oh my god like what is going on right You're now like, no trust us we did win the america's cup we're not we're not as bad as we look right now seriously like we must have had like and we were playing just the 10 minute quarters right like 10 minute games we must have had like i i'm not even exaggerating when i say like 15 turnovers <laughs> like, i was just like like and you also have to figure out the, like, especially in a chair, like it's different when you have to do the checking, right? Because yeah, the yeah. passes have to be like, you have to be turning the right way and like communicating that. And we just like weren't, and it was so bad. We just like threw the ball away so many times. I think it's a thing of like, when you start a, a game with different rules, you don't know what you don't know yet. Like yeah. I always remember. So we team Northern Ireland qualified in a pre-tournament with Scotland and Wales and all of our guys had been playing threes in preparation for it except me I was playing in Spain playing normal five on five stuff and I showed up and I was talking to one of the young younger guys in our team about like an end of game clock situation and he was like that doesn't make any sense here and I was like oh yeah you're right it doesn't never mind like I was talking to him about like a two for one or something and he was like well no because and I was like Oh yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> like I just five on five head kicked in and just yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it must have been like fun for you guys to go from five on five big tournament into like small group. And although, although the Commonwealth is a big thing, it's not really on the scale of like an America's Cup or a Worlds or you know what I mean. Like it's it's a different thing. It, did it feel a little bit? more fun or were you just all business i mean it's definitely it was definitely like fun because i mean it's like well it's basketball so it's always a good time but like yeah i guess there wasn't quite that like same kind of i don't know like i guess it was probably like a less pressure tournament but at the same time i was like mm, i want to win <laughs> like yeah. you know I came all and this I, way like, yeah, our entire team was like, we want to win this. Like, especially too. I mean, it's like the first time the wheelchair basketball has been in it. Yeah. And it's like, how cool would that be to take home that gold medal, you know? So yeah, we were definitely like, um, I think it was a good mix for us though. Like we were having fun, but we were also like, is business. I mean, know? you you won it, so like you obviously did okay. Like now yeah. you can say you got the mix right. You don't have to defend yourself to us under any circumstances. You're like, hey, we won it. That tells you how much business it was. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone else was better at like having like fun type. I mean, it's not that I don't have fun, but I just get like, you know, if I'm like there to win, like it's yeah. like, let's go. Like I get myself into these mindsets. And there were a couple of times like during some of the games that I was just like, especially these 10 minute games, like I find them so wild because you just like you know I'm constantly like it's got to be go 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 the whole time like and so I'm just on this like level and like there was a couple of times like during the games where like some of my teammates were like dude like 
Fine, man. Oh. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. go, like we gotta so go. Like, like, Three thousand like, people and a DJ and an MC don't help. Like it was really <laughs> yeah. cool. Did you have the thing where you showed up and they were like, no, no, I know you're outdoors, but it's fine because the stands are there and there's a cover, so you won't feel the wind or the rain. And then you got on court and you're like, hey, I feel both, but okay, like, oh my god. Want? Yeah, I like I was really hoping like because we didn't get our practice on the main court. So we didn't know what it was going to be like. And I was really hoping I was like, okay, stands. I was like, maybe that'll kill the wind a bit. Our first game that we got out there against Kenya, like it was like a wind tunnel. I was like, (laughs) okay. And they say, too, they're like, oh, if the net's not moving, your shot won't be affected. And I was like, oh, uh, tell that to like the five air balls I just put up. (laughs) I mean, it's not like I haven't shot an air ball before in my life, but I was like, not five. I know. I know my shooting is not that bad. (laughs) I had a real funny thing where like, I noticed that everyone who played on the practice courts or even on the main courts at some point would have gone like out wind if they shot an air ball. But at no point did anyone go, oh, thanks. That was going a bit left before the wind blew it in. Like no one (laughs) blames it the other way. (laughs) No, that did happen to me actually once. And I straight up was like, there was no way that ball was going in. It was like, I was on the baseline and I had to put up, it was like during practice and whatever. And I had to put up this like hideous shot before the clock, the shot clock ran out. And like, I swear that it would have probably hit the side of the backboard, <laughs> but you could just see it. Like it was going up and then the wind all of a sudden just like shoved it down, like right into the hoop. And I was like, I am so sorry. Like we don't have to count that because there's no <laughs> way that would have gone in without the wind. Like I was like, that was all the wind. So that actually did happen to me. And I was like, okay. Like okay. you're but- the first person who did that. I like it. Yeah. Well, Cole, if, if that happened for you, we'll call it a draw with those five air balls you mentioned. <laughs> Honestly, I like stopped shooting threes because I was like, I don't want to put that up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm... Too much time for wind interference if I shoot. <laughs> from... yeah. I'm like, no, like the, it was there. Some of them were so ugly. And like by the time they reached like the vicinity of the hoop, they were like four feet away and I was just like, what? Yeah. So yeah, there were a couple times in the games where I was like, and it was like so bad. Cause I was like, I cannot believe this is a thought going through my head right now. But it was like, I'd be like coming out and I'd be like, come on, like jump me out here, jump yeah. me. Because I don't want to have to shoot this. I'm yeah. looking at the flags and they're just like, you know, going all over the place. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> they're come looking out. at you being like your shot fakes got a whole lot worse because you obviously don't want to get this shot up. <laughs> I know. Honestly, I was just like, if I were them, I wouldn't have come out to me on the three. <laughs> like, like I didn't hit a three pointer the entire tournament. I was like, why are you out here? That, that's incredibly <laughs> interesting. Cause our next point on our rundown was to ask you if as kind of a perimeter based big did you think your game was well suited to the three-on-three format? Because that seemed to be the key for a lot of the teams. But by the sounds of it, you feel like that was more of a hindrance to you than anything else. Just the three-point line. Um, and I mean, to be honest, I think that'll be fine. Like once I get a little more practice, like with the ball and stuff, like I'm not really concerned about it. But at that time, I was like, wow, this is trash. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I think one of like the benefits for us was that like teams were having to jump me um, outside 
Um, and so that really just helped open up our, you know, kind of pick and roll game. And then it was just your lows were really consistent finishing as well. Oh, oh, yeah. Didn't match. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, no, they're so like, you know, they know exactly what to do. I have all the confidence in the world in them. And it was just like beautiful. Like they'd come out pick and it was just like, we had all these just like gorgeous plays and it was yeah, it was just really fun because I think we all just played that game really well together. And it was like, I mean, it's tough because, you know, the teams like they do have, they have to do it like, you know, yeah. um, and it's hard with three on three because there is no fourth man like help side, like, you know, so someone's yeah. getting a layup and then with all of us, like none of us are like, can't finish. Right. Or that you would be like oh them with the open layup it's like everyone was a pretty big threat so yeah I think it was it's that's a tough team to defend I mean if I do say so myself yeah. <laughs> I remember the night before the final I bumped into you and I was like hey good luck how are you feeling and you're like yeah pretty good and I was like I give you my two cents whether you asked for it or not and I was like you guys play similar styles you're a Lowe's finish like <laughs> that was kind of yeah. it <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, it's really easy to play that game when you have um, like lower classes, like I get to play with, like they're, they're awesome. Like I know that they are going to do everything they need to do. I can trust them to finish. Like, I think, yeah, we have like that mutual trust and it just, yeah, it makes it so much easier on court. Um, but yeah, I really have a great time playing with them. So I was super happy with the team that went. All right. So if you had to, now that you've seen the world of three X three and how it works, if you had to pick an all-star three of anyone in the world, doesn't need to be a Commonwealth team. Doesn't need to be someone who wants to do it, but it can't be team Canada because I don't want to bail you out, but you're just saying me and my two teammates. (laughs) I was going to say, like well <laughs> uh you were like hey the team that won it but no you can't pick yourself you, you can like, go you can go men's women's or mixed whatever you prefer pick three players that add up to 8.5 that would be good at this Ooh. i think we can throw ours in if you need time to stall okay yeah let's hear yours so I actually thought of mine from watching how you and your lows played together because um, I thought you essentially looked like Osgur Gerbalak of the Turkish men's team who, you know, gets 15 assists a game by dumping off to his one-pointers. So my all-star three is Osgur Gerbalak, Ismail R and Ferit Gumas from Turkey. Um, and I, before I realised which of the GB guys were interested or not, really wanted to see Lee Manning, Greg Warburton, and Kyle Marsh just to be like, okay, Lee, have all the space you could ever want. Go to work. Um, but and have a little bit more handling around him and two of the best shooters in the world. And yeah, to be fair, for the women's game, like I think you guys kind of have it locked up. Like I'm trying to find a way to get Rose Hollerman in there because she's my friend and I like her, but then you guys would be over points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, ooh. Give me Rose a four and a one. Mariska, Rose Hollerman, and Charlie Moore. That's a pretty good three. 
Yeah, I like them. Would you take Team Canada against those three? If you say yes, then we can probably move on from this because it's you waving your medal in front of us being like, hey, we've still got it. I would take this my is- team most of the time. Like, yeah, no, this is I- a thought experiment and I wanted to not let yeah. you know. I, I-, I think definitely like if I were to pick, I think Bo or Mariska for sure as a big, um, I really like the way uh, those guys play um and you know they're obviously two of the best in the world so um definitely one of them i do love yitzka too i think she is like super talented class one and like a great shooter too um so she'd be pretty pretty deadly to have in that lineup as well you know who would actually also be pretty good she doesn't play anymore obviously but becca murray Oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, we one should. of the greatest to ever do it. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I think what a shooter, right? Oh, yeah. Her. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Oh like, man, no question. She's crazy, girls, so cool. good. Well, um, we'll roll with your lineup then of pick pick either Bo or Mariska, Yitzka, and Becca Murray. I think that that lineup would probably have a a decent chance against Team Canada, but. Bless my you. last my last fun men's one is I'd love to see like Pat, Phil, and Abdi because I just want to see Abdi Jamma not move for 10 minutes and see if he can <laughs> just like not play defense. Like I just want him to sit in the right baseline, whether he's on offense or defense, and see if they can still win a game. <laughs> I was gonna say too, like Pat uh I think would be awesome in three yeah. X3. Like I mean he's awesome. In five on five. When we posed this question, I did wonder if we could go mixed and we could go like Pat Joey female one to be like a minus half point and that'd be eight and a half. And be like, could Pat and Joey win playing essentially two on three to some extent? Most likely, yes, but we'll probably never know. You get a one that can finish layups and it's over. Like, oh, um, yeah. A lot of things if you would put like, uh, yeah, Pat Joey Yitzka, um, Mel's actually got her finishing down, but yeah, Yitzka, like a shooter too, like those uh-huh. guys. Game yeah. over. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think that lineup, yeah, Boer Marishka, Becca Murray, Yitzka would be cool. Yeah, it would give well, you guys some trouble. While we're on the topic of players from around the world, we'll ask you our, our last official question before James gets to some of his stuff at the end. So <laughs> With the the number of players we just mentioned, obviously, um, Mariska, Bo, um, Rose Holloman, for example, uh, Aaron Young, your national team teammate, who are testing themselves kind of in the mixed leagues around the world. And, you know, it being a, a full-time, full-time job in a competitive and essentially male-dominated league, is there a point in the future at which we see Katie Dander now showing up in Europe and testing herself <laughs> uh well it's funny that you mentioned that because i oh, just actually the other day signed with an italian team um originally i was supposed to go to um a team in spain but when they found out that i could possibly be classed out they're like well we won't be able to sign you if you get class out oh um, can you tell us who that is off the podcast please <laughs> <laughs> Off the podcast or yeah, now? you don't need to tell us that now. But can you tell us who you're signing for on the podcast? Um, yeah, it's gonna be really bad though because I don't actually know the like club name, but it's a 
in Porto Torres. Yeah, Porto, Porto Torres. Torres. Oh, nice. wow. Congrats. I didn't really know much about any teams. And so I was just kind of like, I didn't even expect to sign this year because, um, you know, I just assumed everyone had kind of like once the uh, Spanish team fell through, I was like, ah, like it seems like a little bit of short, you know, time to be able to get in with another squad. And so this just happened like, um like a week or so ago and awesome. they just reached out and oh, i was cool. like congrats We're, yeah that'd be a good deal and i was beach. like uh, all right why not let's let's try it out so i have no idea what i'm going into but you know it yeah. sounded pretty good and i googled porto torres and it looks yeah really i think i think all the veterans of the european circuit would tell you you're probably headed to like a top three destination in terms of places to live yeah <laughs> So, I know. I saw the pictures. I was like, "Are you serious?" Like, <laughs> I, like I think everyone, like, everyone would be like, "That place looks amazing." Just make sure the check's clear. It's probably. Yeah. I, I mean, like, even if I like hated it, I was like, "I mean, it can't be that bad if this is where I can <laughs> sure, live." Yeah. Right? Like, so. Practice twice a day. Sit on the beach. Done. Awesome. Um, Honestly, like, I'm looking forward to it that way. And I was just like, "Yeah, even if I don't." you know for whatever reason didn't like it i was like it's a year i put in a year ago yeah. but and yeah if, well, if you ever need if you ever need an italian speaking translator to come out you know where i am come on over i know zero italian uh, actually fine. what is a molto bene that's very good yeah they, they don't understand it unless you do the the pinched fingers thing it, right interestingly <laughs> one cool. challenge i'll set you for when you're out there is to do ask one of the italians what the pinched fingers means because they can't tell you it in words but they all know when to use it and like what do you mean genuine <laughs> genuinely they do like a thing i don't know if you can see on my webcam here where they like thump it against their chest mm. and i asked one of them i was like what does this mean and he's like hey you know it's like um like that <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, glad we got to the bottom of that one. Um, ah, clearly right, <laughs> right, James. God's sake. Do you want to send us home? <laughs> okay, so uh, I have two. Que- I have three questions here. Two of them are sensible. One is stupid. Which order <laughs> would you like to be asked them? Sandwiched. Okay. Cool. Sensible. Stupid. Sensible. First sensible one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm. That's um, heavy. So I think for me, I mean, one that really, I think I started to lean on a lot during my athletic career was like, you know, just in terms of training and stuff that you do is just to be purposeful with it. So it actually came from um, this. Uh, he's a pretty, huge uh stand-up coach seems ken shields um in canada he's just this like they nicknamed him the godfather of canadian basketball like he's really well renowned um and i was lucky enough like super fortunate that he would work with me on occasion and um i remember i was doing a workout with him once and he um i was doing pull-up jump shots and so i did one hit front rim you know, went back, did another one, hit front rim, went back, did another one, front rim. And he just stops me right there. He's like, so he's like, cut it out. Stop, stop, stop. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, and like at this point too, I'm like 18, um, you know, like 
freshly, like, I think I was just, um, actually, no, I might've been younger. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was pretty young. I was a young athlete. And like, um, he was like, what are you doing? Like, what? He was like, you just shot three front rim. And I was like, well, yeah, like, I'm not perfect. And he was like, he was like, okay, you shoot one front rim. That's fine. He's like, you shoot two front rim is like, you have to adjust now. He's like, when you shoot three front rim, he was like, now you're just wasting your time. He's like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. He was like, if you're not going to make the adjustments, like, why are we even here? And I was just like, uh, oh my God. And so like, just from that, I was always like, you know, be purposeful with what you do, you know, like when you're in the gym, it's one thing to just go if you just want to throw shots up, but it's like, be purposeful. So yeah, it was like one of those things, like basically, you know, you're out there, you've got something you're trying to achieve, um, you know, and you're, you're making little steps towards that goal, right. Whether it is like, you know, you shoot one front rim, the next one shouldn't be front rim. Like if you hit it back, like back of the rim, that's fine. Like you've made that adjustment. Right. And so it was just, yeah, to me, it was just, just be purposeful in what you're doing, get something out of every session, everything, you know, even if it's just the littlest thing. So that to me was one of these like game changers for me in the way I like trained and stuff. And so sure. that was my, right. well, that, that was a ve- very um, good and wholesome answer. So it's going to contrast sharply with James's next question. <laughs> okay uh yeah that was actually really good and you actually had one straight away which is great because a lot of people are like wow that's an enormous question and i'm overwhelmed by (laughs) thoughts and it's like well okay just say anything you don't need to mean it Uh, (laughs) okay next question is what is the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court oh oh my god (laughs) oh i'm so happy you have a good answer for this (laughs) okay this one is one that me and my teammates laugh about every, like it happened in 2019 when we were playing at Lima um, and we were playing team Mexico. Oh my God. We laugh about this still. And we all like, we have the video of it because it was just so funny. Um, so one of their class ones like fell. Um, and so she's on her back and their trainer came out <laughs> to get her, get her up. And so their trainer came and their trainer was like, um uh, a woman she was probably like mid 40s or something and like she's shorter she was about like I don't know maybe five six or something (laughs) and so she grabs her by the hands right the girl's like laying on her back she grabs her by the hands to try and go like this but she's not super tall so (laughs) she grabs her and like pulls her up but the girl's face (laughs) was right between her legs She like, oh, kept hitting her like in her crotch and oh, she did it like three times before oh, she got her up and she finally did and then the girl I felt so bad for the girl because the girl kind of like laughed it off but all of us were just like <laughs> <laughs> like and you can and then the camera like pans and it's like the pair of Pan Am games right so there's like cameras yeah. are like, zooming in and like you know, and so that pans to our coaches and our coaches are just like <laughs> trying so hard to keep a straight face. And like Rosie was right there and she just like turned away and like had to leave. Yeah. Oh man, it was just, it was really funny. So I don't know if it was necessarily weird, but like 
No, no, that's that is exactly what we want to hear. I think that's checked the box with what we would have expected from somebody like yourself, who coming from the able-bodied game, you must have <laughs> had like several moments of in your career in wheelchair basketball so far where you've looked around and be like, oh my god, these people are so disabled. <laughs> well, that one I was just like, oh my god, like I'd never seen that happen, but now every time you know, someone falls and they go to get up, like someone picks them up that way. Like, especially on our team, they're like, yeah. get away from my life. <laughs> you, like you, like- you saw in Tokyo, you saw when uh, Chris Huber went to get picked up and they just dropped him again. Oh, <laughs> like okay. did the same thing, like went to pick him up by his arms and just didn't get far enough and he fell back oh, down again. I, oh, did God. I did see, oh my gosh, there was actually a couple of funny things that happened in Tokyo. I think um, Marika Miller ran over the ball during one of their games. That was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, um, Amy getting hit in the head. And I was going to say, like, like a sniper was in the room. My, my favorite thing that- about that is like, that air ball was, had to be real short to hit someone in the charge circle on the head. Right? <laughs> uh, but it's it's like the fact that Amy's like tall enough that she like fell off her chair. Like she like came out sideways is unbelievable. But like if I shoot an air ball that short and someone else takes all the, the spotlight, I've gotten away with it. Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. I know that one was really funny too. There was also Pat tried to make a behind the back pass. Oh, hit Ben, ben Fox in the face. It's Ooh. funny actually because out, out of like a our extended group of friends we're relatively close with both amy and ben and i was in a group chat with the both of them and the day after amy got hit in the face with uh that airball three i think ben posted the video clip of that in our group chat and we all had a laugh about amy and it was literally like six hours later that pat got ben in the face (laughs) (laughs) posted the video back i was like yeah we'll just call, call it a draw on this one Oh my god, that's too good. Yeah, those were a couple of, like funny moments. I think the weirdest funny one though was the Mexico one. Yeah. That was oh for sure. I, I really want to see uh, that. If that's a, you'll, you'll have, have to send the video of that. I'll send you the video because fantastic. Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, the poor girl. And she got up and she was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'll just like, I don't know how you come back from that." <laughs> oh god. Right, so let's take it back down to earth for the last little bit. Um, do you have any advice for any young up-and-coming wheelchair basketball players of the next generation? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously that one um, is a big one for me. But I guess really, like, you know, when you're learning anything and, you know, you're young and you're trying to, at that point, you know, you're kind of trying to perfect, like, fundamentals before you can kind of move on to bigger stuff is just really try not to um like uh you know cut corners on them like don't try and skim over fundamentals I mean I know they're not like the most fun thing like trust me I didn't have fun working on chair skills I'm not gonna lie that was miserable you know every time I'm spending like three hours a day doing chair skills it's not super enjoyable but it pays dividends. Like if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be the player I am now. I wouldn't be where I'm at now. So, you know, it's really pay attention to the fundamentals and start with those, like start small, you know, when people are trying to, like, we've got some young girls on our team or like in our national team pool that are coming up and, you know, they're kind of asking questions about shooting. And I'm like, start in close. Like if you want to perfect 
your shot and be able to like be a knockdown shooter from all ranges, you got to start small, you know, start with your form, make sure it's perfect, right? Make sure it's perfect before you start moving out, before you start trying to do all the like fun stuff. Like, I know it seems boring, but that's where you really lay that foundation, that groundwork that will then allow you to keep building on it as you progress as an athlete. So I think for me, it's like really try to like lock those in. Like, that's what I would, I think, say is like one of the most important things like for up and coming players is like really work on that foundation before, you know, you try and like branch out to all the cool stuff. It's like, yeah, it might look cool to try and, you know, do all the things that you see, you know, you see, Pat Anderson and Terry Bywater doing all these crazy like trick shots and stuff. And it's like, yeah, one day, but like really try and get down that fundamental like shooting and, you know, like fundamental parts of the game. Yeah. I think like anyone who's been around either of those guys would tell you that they all have that stuff. Like they have the fundamentals underpinning all of the fancy stuff that they do. Exactly. It's no secret. No one has just the fancy stuff. (laughs) Like, That's like bells and whistles. Exactly. Like you, you know, you look at tons of like storied players and like, you know, I've heard tons about, you know, Dirk Passuans, like shooting abilities, you know, the guy's an amazing shooter. It's like, yeah, but it starts like he gets those fundamentals, right? Pat, amazing shooter, fundamentals, Terry Bywater, same thing. Like anyone, I mean, for the most part who, you know, has become like an amazing player or whatever generally has started you you get those freaking nature athletes who are just like crazy but for the most part it comes from those hours of hard work doing the boring monotonous groundwork but it pays off you know all right i think we'll leave it there then all right well giddy thank you very much for being here and yeah everyone thank you very much for listening we'll be back we look forward to watching you in Dubai and yeah, we look forward to watching you in Europe. Now we know that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks uh, so much for having me. Um, and it's always fun to talk with people who are also passionate about, you know, basketball. So this was awesome. Thank you guys.